Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask myself when I question myself. What's up, table fam? How we feeling? Yeah, I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. This is going to be fun. Hey, if we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac. I'm one of the pastors here at First Orlando and part of the leadership team here at the table. And if you've, if you've been hanging out with us, you know this. We've been in a series called What Would Jesus Do If He Were Me? Right? What would Jesus do if he had my job? Oof. What would Jesus do if he had my family? What would Jesus do if he had my relationships? What would Jesus do if he lived where I lived? What would Jesus do if he had the, the cloggers that live above me? Like, what would Jesus, that's just me, the real talk. I have cloggers that live above me. So what would Jesus do, right? And um, as we're considering this, we know that no, what, what Jesus did was he lived his life up, in, and out. Right? So we talked two weeks ago that Jesus lived his life up where we asked the question, how does Jesus hear from the Father? And how does Jesus um, hear God's will? And then how might we hear the Father and know God's will? Last week we learned, okay, well, that Jesus lived his life in in relationships. So we asked, okay, well, how did Jesus consider his people? And in light of that, how do we consider our people and the people that we spend time with and do life with? This week we're talking about out. How does Jesus consider his relationship to the world? How does Jesus view the world around him? And how does Jesus consider, listen to this word, his purpose? Right? But to set us up, uh, when I was in college, uh, many of you know I'm from Texas. I went to college in Texas. And when I was in college, um, I had a roommate, and we're going to call him, uh, quote-unquote, Jerry. There is no beef, but you'll see later why I need to just keep his name. Yeah, so we're just going to know him as Jerry. So Jerry and I were actually super cool. So we were in the same fraternity. We lived in the same house for a couple years um, with like a bunch of other dudes. But Jerry and I were like super tight. Um, so after we graduated college, you know, we kind of went on our ways. But if you've finished college or if you finish your college years, you know this. You don't keep up with everybody. Um, but Jerry was one of the guys that I kept up with. Um, so now some of you know this, that I graduated with a film degree. Um, doing like video production. So I'm working um, in Dallas and doing video production uh, for a couple years. Uh, whenever I get a text from Jerry, he says, Isaac, brah, do you saw video stuff? And I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? He's like, well, um, I've started an online business and I want you to help me record a video for my online business. I'm like, oh, this is very interesting, Jerry. Okay, so I get my camera stuff, and I go and I set up the camera stuff, and I start shooting suit Jerry as he's talking about his online business. And what that did in me is it unlocked this digital marketing beast, right? Because what Jerry was doing uh, was he was starting like online marketing and like learning all this stuff and how to do online business. And then for me, even though like I did video, I'm kind of in the season where I don't know what, what I do with my life. And I'm like, ooh, do I want to do this like online business stuff too? So I'm like at the gym, I'm like working out as I'm listening to like, hey, this is Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn or like podcasts of trying to like build, you know, learn how to do marketing and business stuff. Well, at this season of my life, I'm also like working my job of like, like video communication stuff, like I'm also like involved in church, and I'm just trying to like figure out like where, I'm trying to, trying to figure out my purpose. I'm trying to figure out my purpose, right? And I'm trying to find clear purpose, right? Now, I know um, that I'm not the only one. I don't think I'm the only one in this room that has ever struggled with purpose. Come on, y'all, somebody? 
A little bit? Okay, there we go, there we go. I don't, I don't think I'm the only one, right? I think that's actually pretty common to consider, especially as you get to your early, mid, late 20s, right? Um, what is my purpose? And I think a lot of us spend a lot of energy and time trying to figure out purpose, right? And whenever we can't find this clear purpose, we lack peace, and we feel anxious, oof, right? And then we feel aimless. And for many of us, this is kind of what I thought. I thought this. I don't, excuse me, I don't have purpose until I find my purpose. We think purpose is something to be found. And whenever we can't find it, we start looking in all these areas, and we can't find it, then we feel like we don't have purpose. And we're not going to have purpose until we find our purpose, right? And really, we think our purpose to find is the one big thing. We're trying to find the one big thing uh, that's going to give us purpose, right? So for a lot of us, it's passion, right? What are we passionate about, right? So we start going on, uh, start going on YouTube, right? And you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm passionate about. And then you start like getting lost in the deep trail of YouTube. And you start going like, like two hours later, like in the deep like back pages of YouTube where videos that are like eight years old start getting recommended to you. And you start watching them. Um, and then, okay, just me, okay. Uh, and then, so as he's, and then you see a video like on, on fitness, and you're like, oh, and then something within you just like, oh, I think this is it. And then you commit your life to fitness, right? And then you start working out, and then you start like, ooh, I don't eat that. Like whenever you go out, and then you start trying to convince everybody to be vegan, right? And you just like consume this, like get so passionate, like about fitness and holistic living, right? And you're like, this is my passion. And then what do you know two years later? You're like, oh, no, yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Right? So, but that's what happens when we do passion. Or uh, what about this? Um, you may be, I don't need a purpose. I'm just going to date somebody, and that person will tell me what my purpose is. Oof. Oof. Too real? Too real? Oof. Right? So we just, like, we don't really consider purpose. We just, like, kind of go through life, and then we'll just, like, I'll just, um, you know, find somebody, and then whatever they like, I'll like. Right? Or for some, for some of us, like I know who I'm talking to, this is the influencer generation, right? So we consider, you know, TikTok and Instagram and a lot of these, we, we want to be an influencer and we kind of start like, man, what does that look? And then we like, we'll make like a, like a hidden like Instagram or like TikTok channel just to like get our reps in so people can't see us before we launch the real thing, right? So we, we, may, we consider being an influencer um, for purpose. Right? And we've spent our whole life up to this point trying to find the one big thing. And we feel aimless and confused along the way. Right? But again, as I mentioned, we're not the only people to struggle with this. Actually, um, I think there's a lot to consider when it comes to purpose. And I actually think there's actually a really clear um, text that I want to look at that's going to help us inform how we think through purpose. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter 4, 16 through 21. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4, 16 through 21. It'll be on your screens. Um, you, can watch, um, you can read it there on the app. Luke chapter 4, where it says this. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled 
in your hearing. Okay, I know this is going to sound very weird, very weird, but in order to really understand what's going on here, and in order to really understand your purpose, you have to consider Jewish History 101. Okay, Jewish History 101. So what do I mean by that? I mean that God, this is, so in the context of Jewish history, this is what kind of Jewish, is to consider their history, it's kind of what, they, what happened and what, what they believed, right? So God created the world with beauty and value and worth, right? But the creation that God created then rejected this God that created them, right? So um, with this rejection of God, here comes conflict, here comes violence, here comes rebellion, here comes sexual perversion. Y'all, I got, it gets real gross. If you read, like, Jewish history, it gets really, really, like, disgustingly gross um, with some of, the, some of the stuff going on. Um, it created death, right? So God was like, hey, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want the world to continue in this way. I don't want the world to continue in this really broken and evil way. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call one man. So God calls Abraham. Right? And then he told Abraham that he was going to use his family to then redeem and restore the whole world. Okay, so Abraham had a son named Isaac. It's a really amazing name. So Isaac had two sons. Um, his younger son was like this really shady character who was like deceitful and lied, but it didn't matter because God said, yes, Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, um, I'm, that's the line of your family that I'm going to use to restore the world. So Jacob, there's this story, we could read it in Genesis, where he has this like weird like uh, heaven encounter where he's like wrestling with God, and God changes his name, Jacob's name. Uh, this is Abraham's grandson. Um, God changes his name to Israel. So it, um, Israel, Jacob, had, uh, had many sons, and um, they are referred to what we call the Israelites. So as you consider kind of this passage, you really have to consider um, the Israelites, also known as the Hebrews. Hebrew Israelite is like their family and kind of the clan and kind of region, region of Israel. Um, Hebrews is the language that they spoke, and Jews was the faith, faith that they practiced. So those terms get used often interchangeably. Um, you can almost use them synonymously, not quite, but almost. Um, so if you ever get confused, um, there you go. Um, Israelites, uh, Hebrews, Jews, uh, mostly the same thing. Um, so, so with them, um, even though um, they were God's people, right, because God said, hey, Abraham, through your line, through the Israelites, I'm going to bring restoration to the whole world. Um, even though um, that promise was made to them, like, they still did really evil things, right, and had evil things done to them. Um, but God, in God's um, glory and in his, his um, uh, favor, God said, you know what, Israel, you're really bad, but I'm still going to give you a king. And through this king, then that's how I'm going to make everything right around you, right? So now, at this point in the story, Israel is waiting for a king. And they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting for this kingdom where all this brokenness and devastation can be made right, right? So eventually, they start getting kings, right? First king of Israel was a guy named Saul. And um, Saul kind of starts out, and then eventually, here comes this, like, wonder kid, right? This guy named David. And David then slays this Goliath. They're like, yeah, David. Like, we like David. Can David be our king? Like, David's going to be our king. And they're so excited about it. And then David does become king. Then David, his story doesn't end well. And they're like, oh, okay, bye, David. Is there somebody else who's next? Okay, Solomon. So, okay, yeah, we like Solomon. Ooh, Solomon had, like, a lot of, like, wives and girlfriends, like, people. Like, ooh, I don't, I don't know about this. And then Solomon's story doesn't end well, right? 
Um, so then here comes these kings and these kings and these kings, and they're just waiting for the king who's going to make everything right, who's going to rescue them. And that king um, really never comes because then what happens is as they're waiting, uh, here comes the city and their temple, and it's destroyed. So they had set up Jerusalem, and Jerusalem kind of was like the, the epicenter of, of Jewish culture and of Israel. And eventually they are captured and overthrown by another kingdom called Babylon. So Babylon comes, destroys the nation of Israel, takes Jerusalem, captures the city, and everything seems lost, and there are no more kings. And um, really, uh, they're hopeless because <laughs> uh, there's no more kings, right? Because they thought that kings was the way that everything's Kings was the way that everything was going to be made right, and now there's no more nation, there's no more kingdom, there's no more king, so now there's no hope, right? But here come these people called prophets, and these prophets come in, and they actually give good news, right? So the story continues that despite Israel's destruction, there is good news. And here's the good news that they said, that during these dark times, the prophets keep talking about this coming king, that there's going to be another king that's coming, and whenever this other king comes, he's going to remind us of the promise that one day he'll defeat evil and restore the kingdom. And that although things seem hopeless, God still reigns as king, and God will himself one day return to the city of Jerusalem and take up his throne and bring peace. There you go. We're going to quiz you after that. <laughs> So that's Jewish history. So you really need to like kind of understand that really in order for this text that we're about to reread really to impact you because you have to understand how the original audience read it because they read it with knowing all of this. They read it with 400 years of nothing. They read it being hopeless. And here Jesus comes onto the scene as he says this again. And he came to Nazareth. Well, we're going back in Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Do you, ever, do you guys remember, like, the town you grew up in? What is it like when you go back home? Oh, my gosh, look at Jesus. He's so big. Wow, I remember, I remember Jesus. Oh, man, Jesus, yeah. Like, wow, you're, oh, you're going to talk to us? Oh, that's so cute. Okay. Hey, well, what do you have to say? So, so as was his custom, so this is a normal, a normal Saturday church service, right? They worship on Saturdays. So this is a normal day at the synagogue, just a pretty normal day. So where Jesus comes in, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's essentially saying, um, y'all need to hear this, and I'm going to go to the place that that you need to hear because something's about to happen right now. So he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, and this is what he says. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Right? So good news, this is like an announcement to people that, yes, uh, to some extent are like materially poor, but really this is just people that are just lacking people that just don't have a lot. So for people that don't have a lot, Jesus is saying, hey, look, if you don't have a lot, there is good news. And then he says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, right? So people, um, yes, in like literal slavery and bondage to some extent, but really, man, aren't there just people that are just slaves to sin, right? And we just, just have so much bondage and we, and people just can't set themselves free, right? And these Israelites that are reading this, that are, or that are hearing this for the first time, they just feel like, yes, I am in bondage. Yes, I feel like I can't set myself free, right? And just waiting for somebody to, 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 set, to proclaim liberty, right? And recovery of sight to the blind, right? These are people that are blind and can't see. Um, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, right? And oppressed with injustice, 
And then Jesus continues reading where he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, right? And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Mic drop. People are stunned. They just start leaning in, right? Their eyes just start getting real big. They start leaning in. They're like, what did he just say? What is, what is happening here? And all of the eyes... So he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, not tomorrow, not next week, not another 400 years from now, Jesus is saying, today, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, right? Because the hearers, I mean, again, you have to consider... You have to consider what's going on, right? These, um, these Israelites, they were, you know, their ancestors were captured by Babylon, and now they're sitting there, and now uh, whenever they came back, they were eventually released from Babylon, but it was just weird, and now, like, Rome's in charge, and they still aren't free, and they're waiting for their kingdom, and they're waiting for their king. So the hearers were just longing for a kingdom, Right? They're just waiting for this kingdom where things, there is no more injustice and no more pain and no more suffering where they can just be set free. And in this kingdom that they're wanting, they're wanting a kingdom of peace, right? They had, they had experienced so much injustice, so much unrighteousness, so much brokenness, so much oppression. They just want a kingdom of peace, right? And in order to get a kingdom of peace, they know this. A kingdom doesn't happen without a king. They need a king to come in to establish his kingdom, right? So Israel's answer to all the brokenness was a king that was, that was going to make things right. Maybe the best way that I can illustrate this. Um, so imagine if you are, um, you know, you're riding in a car, right? So, um, and this is not one of those autonomous cars. Like, you're, you're driving this thing, and you're, you're, you're going, you're driving your car, you're driving your car, and then out of nowhere, intentionally, another driver comes and he hits you, right? And you're like, Goo. And then after he hits you, then he kind of gets, then you're just kind of like disoriented because you just got hit. And then he comes, and then he um, seals the door so you can't get out, and then lights the car on fire. That sounds real bad, right? And then you're there, and you're, you're, you're hopeless, and you're like suffering, and you're like, man, I can't, you, you try to get out, but you can't get out. And then other people try to come. They see it. They see what's happening. They're like, oh, I don't like that that happened to you. So they're coming out of nowhere, trying to put out the fire, trying to get you out of the car. But even they themselves are not powerful enough to get you out of this burning car. There's only one person, God himself, who is powerful enough to come into the car, open up the car, break open, and rescue you to set you free. That feeling that you would feel whenever you're trapped in this burning car, that's experiencing what it's like outside of the kingdom. There is no hope. There is brokenness. There is, we are just utterly hopeless outside of God himself coming in and opening up the door so that he might rescue us out of this burning car that we're in. Right? We long for the hero to come in and rescue us and make everything right. And it takes God himself, who's the only person who has the power to do that. Right? The Israelites throughout, throughout, um, 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 uh, throughout Israelite history, you know, they kept trying to be good and they could never be good enough. They kept wanting kings and the kings were never powerful enough. Right? So the only thing that was going to make things right was Jesus going up to the synagogue, opening up the scroll of Isaiah, and saying, hey, look, I'm going to protect liberty to the captives, sight to the blind. Those who have been oppressed are going to be set free. And here's, what's, here's when this is going to happen. Here's, this, listen up. Today. It's happening 
today. Not tomorrow, not the next day. It's happening today, right? Y'all, look, I am so grateful that Jesus said today, 2,000 years ago, because here's what. I hate being trapped in a burning car. I hate it, right? Here's what, here's what some burning cars look like for me. Like, I hate when I walk into a room, and then I don't know if people were talking about me or not. Feels weird, right? If that happens, that's not kingdom. Right? I hate when I hear stories of abuse, right? I sit, I, sit, um, I sit across from many of you over cups of coffee, and I just hear stories of pain and sorrow and really, really, really hard family stuff that you're going through and really stuff that you've had to process and deal with. It breaks my heart. But even more than it breaks my heart, it breaks Jesus' heart that you're also, you've also experienced that. Right? I, hate, um, I hate when people lie to me. I hate it. it it's really frustrating. Um, I hate... Um, I'm me. I hate my own sin and shame and things that I've done to harm others. I hate it. I, I, re- I really don't like it, man. I hate it um, when I see people headed down a path that they will regret. That I just know that they're headed down this path and I just want more for them, but they're just not seeing it right now. I, I hate it, right? I hate my own fears and insecurities that prevent me from doing what God has called me to do. This is the burning car that I live in, the burning cars that we live in, that we need somebody to come in and rescue us to make it whole. And God himself comes in, rescues us, and we see other burning cars, and we get to rescue them with Jesus, right? Because it's the kingdom that God came to bring. That's not the kingdom that God came to bring, those things that I hate, right? That's the brokenness that God came to restore. Jesus sees that. He sees it. And that's why he's saying, today, today I'm doing something about it. Today, right? And it's the same brokenness that Israel felt. Um, It's the same brokenness that we feel whenever we do things, when things are done to us, right? And it's not just with us. It's with our friends, with our family, and it's with people we don't even know, right? We're longing for things to be made right and whole and for there to be peace, and we're longing for somebody to make it right. We want it, and we hate those things, and we're just waiting for things to be made right. And there is someone who finally can make it right. There is one person who can actually make it right and did make it right, right? And it's this, Jesus is king. We're waiting, we're longing for this kingdom where there's no more oppression, no more injustice, no more things that we do that we don't like about ourselves, no more things done to us that we don't like that were done to us, right? So we need, we want this kingdom of healing and restoration and peace, and it takes a king, and Jesus is that king, right? So Jesus announces himself as king who is now establishing his kingdom today. Okay. Why, why are we talking about kingdom? I thought we were talking about purpose. Because here's this. You have to understand that the two are linked, right? So for me, you know, um, many of you know this. Um, so I grew up in church. I'm like the, the church kid of church kids. I'm like the Sunday school kids of Sunday school kids. Like I know the VBS songs. I know like, you know, I knew like all the Bible stories. You know, I could quote the Bible stories. Like I just grew up like, um, I don't think, I'm pretty sure like I was in a church service my like three days after I was born, right? Um, like I was just, that was me, right? So I grew up as a pastor's kid. And here's what I knew growing up in church, right? Where people would ask, what was the purpose of Jesus coming to earth, right? Or, or maybe you've asked it this way, why did Jesus come to earth? And for me, the way that I answered for a lot of my life is, well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, Jesus came to earth. Every Christian knows this. Uh, Jesus came to earth to die for my sins so that, you know, I can go to heaven when I die. 
right? That's how a lot of us would answer. That's why Jesus came to earth, to die on the cross for our sins so that we can go to heaven when we die. Okay, that's like not a great answer. Here's why. It misses the point. It's not the point. That's part of it. Yes, that's true. It's not untrue, but that's not the point, right? And in part, that's not the point because that's not what Jesus said. And in part, Jesus didn't say that because it hadn't happened yet, <laughs> right? When Jesus was on earth, the cross hadn't happened. And Jesus was talking a lot about good news before his death. So what is this good news that Jesus is talking about? Let's read, right? Um, in verse 43, so we're going to skip a few verses, stay in the same chapter. Verse 43 says this. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Here we go. Here's our word purpose, right? So Jesus is saying that his purpose is to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, right? He's saying, look, I'm king of kings and I'm lord of lords. I'm going to fix everything that sin has broken, right? Every single thing that is broken, I am going to fix it, right? The brokenness that we hate, this burning cars that we hate, that we see, that we see around us, that we don't really see hope. Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm coming to fix that today, right? And I'm coming to preach good news, right? Jesus came to bring healing and restoration. I am king, and I'm going to use my power to fix everything that sin has ruined. Um, I love what Tim Keller says. He says this. He says, the kingdom is the renewal of the whole world through the entrance of supernatural forces. As things are brought back under Christ's rule and authority, they are restored to health, beauty, and freedom. Doesn't that sound incredible? I want that. Like, that's, that's the world that I want to live in. I want to live in this world where Jesus is king, where things are restored back under him to health, beauty, and freedom, right? So Jesus' purpose um, was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, right? That was Jesus' purpose. So we're talking about purpose. So here's what, here's what I want to make clear. As we're thinking back purpose, I want to think through your purpose, right? We started this talking about purpose. We're talking about Jesus' purpose. So let's come back to your purpose. Clear purpose is not about you. Clear purpose is not about you, right? If we try to live our lives trying to find purpose, we're going to spend our lives seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking and never finding when we know what Jesus' purpose was, was to bring in the kingdom and to preach the good news through the kingdom, and then we can now view our purpose in light of Jesus' purpose, that brings so much more clarity to why we are here. How we orchestrate our lives, how we spend our time, the people that we spend, the people that we spend time with, right? Our pur clear purpose is not about you, right? Our purpose is to live in the kingdom recognizing Jesus King to love and serve others as a kingdom citizen, right? But look, let me have a little bit of compassion. Uh, I understand, like I'm a millennial, I'm um, kind of right in the middle, but here's what millennials were told our entire life. You're so special. You're amazing. You just shoot for the stars. All right, there was a, like a, in my third grade class, there was like a poster <laughs> where it literally said, shoot for the stars, because even if you miss, you'll land among, uh, no, it said, shoot for the moon, because even if you miss, you'll land among the stars, Right? Just go for it. Find your purpose. Find your passion, right? Like, you're so special. You can do anything you want to do, right? And so what did that do to us? 
It made us like, oh, yeah, okay, I am special. So now I'm going to go, be with, because I'm so special, I'm going to go find what I'm passionate about, right? And then that just got reinforced as we started growing up and we started getting ads and watching TV where they were like, follow your heart, find your passion, go for it, reach for the stars, you can do it, right? So then we start grasping and grasping and grasping and grasping and grasping and then realize we're not like holding on to anything. And then we get to our mid-20s and we're re we realize, wow, I haven't grasped anything yet. Maybe I'm not so special. Our life, you know, we're told that our life is too short not to do something we love, right? See, and all of these messages leave us trying to do something that we're incapable of, finding our own purpose, right? I do think it's cool to find something that you're passionate about, but you have to understand your passion is not your purpose, right? If you watch the movie Soul, it came out on Pixar. Um, there's, some, there's some good things and bad things with the movie, but overall, overall, I thought I really loved, like, the main point of the movie, um, where it basically said, like, your, they called it a spark. Your spark is not your purpose. I'm just going to say your passion is not your purpose. Your passion is not why you're here, because your passions will come and go, right? But your purpose remains if you understand it's not about you, if you understand that it is about Jesus as king over his kingdom and we get to live in Christ's kingdom, bringing that good news of healing and restoration um, to others, right? A lot of us are trying to find uh, the one big thing, right? I just want to find my one, my one big thing. That's going to be my purpose. Look, the one big thing happened. It was Jesus. He died on the cross and he resurrected, right? Go for it. Go for it, Right? The one big thing happened. So here's what we do. Our, our, life is not trying to, um, our life is not trying to do one big thing, right? A lot of times when we think of purpose, we think, man, I got to do something significant, something amazing with my life. I got to do something crazy, amazing. I need to be known, right? If we were to be honest, I kind of want to be famous. And I, wouldn't it be cool if I could be famous for Jesus? Man, if I can, could I use like my Christian and, like, so I can be famous, right? It's your life and your purpose is not one big thing. Because the one big thing already happened. Here's what our life is about and how we now live in this new purpose that we're found in Jesus. Our life is a bunch of these little, micro, everyday things that very few people will see or notice. And as we do every day, these micro decisions, conversations we have, places we go, um, how we spend our time, uh, coffees that we have, meals that we have, serving others, loving others, um, helping people move, having conversations, going to work, raising a family, um, you know, eventually getting a house one day, God willing, right? These little like micro things that ultimately are um, seemingly insignificant have major eternal impact. It's not about you. But we get to participate in what it is about, about God, about Jesus being king, about building his kingdom. And Jesus saying, my purpose is to preach the good news, to tell the good news of the kingdom of God. And he did that from town to town to town because that news was too incredible to keep to himself and too incredible just for the city that he was in um, at that time. Right? So we're just going to do a bunch of very little things these little micro decisions, and that's going to create maximum significant kingdom impact. And with that, that's where we find fulfillment and joy. Not finding the one big thing we're passionate about. It's these little micro things that's going to give us so much joy and so much fulfillment, right? Here, here's my fear. Here's my fear. My fear is that, um, you know, you show up here on Tuesday, 
and you know you say, oh yeah, that was really good music. Hey, good job, Isaac. That was a good word, man. Um, and then our team, like because you showed up, like our team, we feel validated because you showed up. Like okay, good. We put on the thing and they came. Ooh, okay, good. Okay, good. They, they came, and we felt like validated because of that. And then like there's enough giving at First Orlando. Um, to like give us a budget, like a young adult budget, so that we can like pay for lights and air condition and lattes. And then we're all telling each other week after week, yeah, this is what God wants us to do. That is my biggest fear in life, that we miss it. We miss what life is about. It's not about us. It's not. It's not about showing up on Tuesday, although that's helpful. It's not about lattes, although we love them, right? We're here for the kingdom. We're here to preach the good news, to bring kingdom restoration with Jesus as king moving forward into this earth to, the, to be beauty and light to the city of Orlando. All right, so I actually think that everybody, everybody can find purpose by integrating into the kingdom. I really think so, right? If that's you, if what I've said so far, you're like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of want to do that. I have, honest, Isaac, if I were to be honest, I have no idea how. <laughs> like, I kind of grew up in church. Uh, maybe I, I used to go to church, don't go to church anymore, um, or maybe I've been in church consistently, wherever you are, and you hear the word kingdom and Jesus, you're like, yeah, I've heard that. I don't, like, Isaac, can I, be, can I whisper something to you, bro? I don't know how to do that. If that's you, you're going to help you. Everybody can. Everybody can do this. And here, here's how. Here's how. Um, with a few questions. Everybody can do this by show and tell the kingdom wherever you go. Show and tell the kingdom wherever you go. Right? So, so what do I mean by that? I mean, um, you know, we want to um, first consider where do you already go? Where do you already go, right? Um, for some, it's like, oh, man, I can't, like, trying to, like, be, like, I don't know, that sounds like a, that sounds like a lot. I don't know if I can do that. That sounds like, ooh, that sounds like a big ask, like, committing my entire life not to be about me. I love me. Do you know me? I love me. You should love me too, right? Like, now, like, live my life for something else. Like, I don't, okay, okay, sure, what, I maybe buy in, but I don't know what that means or how to do that. Look, where are you already going? Just consider that. Where are you already going? You don't have to change a lot of your life right now, maybe later, but for now, just where are you already going? Right? Where do you already go? Number two, as you're going, what comes out of your mouth? Right? What is what comes out of your mouth, like, tearing people down? Well, that's not cool. That's not kingdom. That's the opposite. Or does, does what come out of your mouth like encouragement and love? Like, that's pretty cool, right? What comes out of your mouth? Do you, you know, do you consider if, if you were to say, yes, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my King, that's amazing. Do people know that? Like, do you talk about it? Does that just come out of you? Right? And look, if, if it doesn't, look, I'm not, there's no, uh, no condemnation, but I just would consider, like, is Jesus your King? I don't know. Because if he is, you talk about it. If he's not, you don't. Right? So what, what comes out of your mouth, um, and does that bring, is that building the kingdom, talking about Jesus as king, and that Jesus can provide hope, right? Uh, what comes out of your mouth? And number three, um, what resources do you already have? And how might you give of those, and how might you freely give of those resources, right? I remember one time when I was, uh, um, I was kind of reading, kind of in my, I was reading the Bible, and kind of in my quiet time, daily devotional, and I was like reading through the Gospel of Matthew, and I was, as I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew, I was like, man, Jesus just, like, healed people like that. I can't do that. <laughs> right? Like, oh, man, like, how does, oof, man, I'm never, like, I couldn't do that. Like, what, what, is that, what does that mean that Jesus could heal people and I can't heal people? Like, I just, I just, I just can't do that. Like, what, what does that mean? Well, here's what Jesus was doing. 
Jesus was using his compassion and resources to build kingdom. Jesus was able to heal people and did it. But me, Isaac, I can't do that, but here's what I do have. Um, I don't have healing powers, not that I know of. Um, here's what I do have. I have time. I have a lot of, well, yeah, I have time. I have money, right? I have, um, you know, I have video skills. I have graphic design skills, right? I can, um, you know, I can uh, do other, other things. I have a little bit of computer knowledge, right? What are the resources, um, what resources do you already have, and how might you freely give of those resources? All right, let me, let me show you, like, what this could look like for you. I want to make, I, my aim is to try to make this, like, as practical and catchable as possible, so you start getting it. Oh, I can do that. Living as part of the kingdom, not living my life for me, living my life for Jesus, I think I can do that. Here, let me give you, let me give you some really practical examples of what that could look like. Um, uh, go to work. You go to work, and then you're a really great employee, and you serve your boss better than he or she deserves. You can do that. That's kingdom living, right? Um, how about this? You hear people gossiping, and then you don't participate. Yeah, kingdom living. Um, what about this? Um, you consider your boundaries as you love your parents and siblings. Um, you meet with someone from your life group for mutual encouragement. Um, you serve at the table, and then as you're serving at the table, you meet somebody who comes in maybe for the first time who's hopeless, and then you ask if they want to grab coffee, you go up to coffee with them, and then you just not saying anything other than just sharing your story of hope in Jesus, and it lands as it lands, right? Um, what about this? You, you go for a really nice walk in nature by yourself, and then you can feel your cup getting filled with God's glory and his beauty, right? It's really good to rest. That's part of kingdom living, right? You have, a, excuse me, you have a really fun game night with friends while you invite your new friend at work who doesn't know Jesus. Kingdom living, right? Um, you invite someone new um, in time. You, you, you invite somebody new in town just to go grocery shopping with you. Like, hey, you're new in town. Let me show you a grocery store. Let me show you my grocery store, right? Um, you help your neighbors move. Um, you give a meal to someone who recently lost something. Um, you meet with someone who's a little further along than you when you feel stuck, right? You feel stuck. You're like, oh, man, I feel stuck. Let me, let me try to meet with somebody who's just a little further along than me. Maybe they might help me um, with, with my stuckness. <laughs> um, uh, what about this? Uh, you, you consider kingdom living as we're even thinking about what city you need to leave in, right? Some of us are from Orlando. Some of us moved here. And, um, and for, if you moved here, Orlando may be a long-time thing. It may not be a long-time thing. But you just consider my life is not about me. And as my life is not about me, what does that mean um, as I consider, like, good news and kingdom restoration and wholeness of Jesus King, how does that impact, like, where I'm choosing to live? How does it impact who I'm choosing to live with? How does it impact my job? All right? Um, we want to help you integrate kingdom into your life. Like, we would, we would love to do that, right? So for some of us, as you start integrating kingdom and even thinking about that, um, for some, it's going to require you to change your playmates and your playgrounds. Some of the people that you're spending time with are people that are not going to help you with good news, right? They're actually part of the bad news that you're still living in right now. So it's going to require a change, right? Or for some of us, it's going to places that we know that we don't need to go to anymore. Why? Because we're stuck in the bad news, right? Oh, that's for some. For others of us, um, it's just going to require like a shift of perspective, Right? Like we're going to the right things, we're doing the right things, but we feel like lost and aimless because we don't have the right perspective shift. Look, you can work. So a lot of us, whenever we think about purpose, we think about like equate purpose with job. 
right? And we are like, I need to work a job that I love. Maybe, but you just need to work a job. <laughs> you need money, right? So you can just work a job and do it for a season, and then when you don't like it anymore, get another job. And do that for a season, and we don't like it anymore, you get another job. And you do that for the rest of your life, and then you retire, <laughs> right? But a lot of us put so much pressure like a vocation because we think, if I get it wrong, I'm going to waste my time. Look, when you're living in the kingdom, there is never a second that's wasted. Right? You can work a job and then get another job and then get another job. Um, you could be in a season where you're, like, you're trying to, like, in, in, in between jobs. I would not recommend that for very long. But, um, you know, you, but you don't need to, like, second-guess yourself and make, put so much pressure on ourselves uh, for purpose, right? We know it's not about us, and we know that whenever we make it about Jesus, when we make it about, um, um, you know, just living our life, trying to bring good news and healing and restoration for people, you can do that anywhere. Okay, so one of the ways, um, so um, if you're here, you know this, um, one of the things that we're doing tonight, we're calling Table Backstage. So right after this, we're going to wrap up here, we're going to sing, and then what's going to happen is right, like on the other side of this air wall, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly how we're, how we're getting there, um, but we'll, just on the other side of this air wall, um, we have what we're calling Table Backstage. And what we're doing is we just want to say, hey... Um, this is, we want to help you try to integrate kingdom into your life. And this is the best way we know how to do it. So we're going to talk about different opportunities for you to get involved in, different things. My fear, again, is you just show up every week and then have no kingdom impact. I would hate that for you. So we're saying, hey, look, here's how to start taking steps. And we're, here are some things that we've provided for you in order to start taking steps for kingdom living. So we'll talk more about that um, here, in a, here in a little bit. But as we're wrapping up, um, do you remember my, uh, my online marketing friend? Uh, Jerry and his wife Barbara, both fake names. <laughs> okay, so, uh, uh, so so Jerry, so he, so they uh, they got plugged into their church, and then they were kind of really involved there. And then as they were there, they thought, you know what? If I feel like there's pretty good kingdom representatives here where we are, I want to go somewhere where there's not. So what they did is they decided to move to Northern Africa because they were like, there's not a lot of kingdom going on there in Northern Africa. So we want to go to be a, a kingdom citizen, to be a kingdom representative. There's a lot of brokenness and um, a lot of brokenness and hurt and a lot of hopelessness going on in Northern Africa. Hey, look, we, don't, we hate that. Jesus doesn't like that. I, we feel like Jesus is calling us to go to Northern Africa uh, to, to be a source of like light and kingdom there and healing and restoration, right? So so they go and they move, and remember that he had, like, was spending part of his time, like, learning, like, digital, like, online marketing stuff. So here's what they're doing. This is incredible. What they're doing is essentially he's creating, like, these Facebook, like, they're living in northern Africa. Um, COVID stuff's made things a little weird, but um, they're living in northern Africa, and he's created Facebook ads, right, with all the skills that he's learned in order to help people get in front of people that may be curious and learning more about Jesus who don't know Jesus, Right? And then from this, like, Facebook ad, he's, like, channeling it through to, like, they can, like, start messaging people, like, online. And then as they're, like, messaging people online, these people online, then schedule, like, a real in-person uh, coffee with them. So then they meet for coffee. And then when they're meeting for coffee, um, they, they're told about this app. And what this app does, like, my buddy um, Jerry created it. It was amazing. Uh, what this app does, essentially, it, it, it reads, because in that region of the world, it's, it's like, a very, like, oral, um, like, people group. So they, they listen a lot. Um, so they just read the Bible out loud, um, and then so now this person who maybe doesn't even know Jesus, they take this app, and they take it to their family, 
where they're already living and they're basically leading a Bible study without even knowing Jesus because of this app. And they're having conversations and people are getting saved and kingdom is happening. This is incredible. This is how you integrate to kingdom living, right? Not everybody will go overseas, but some will. How cool is it, right, that no matter where you are, either here in Orlando or overseas or somewhere else in the U.S. or wherever you may go, you know that your life is not about you and you are here for something greater. And that greater is Jesus is king, establishing his kingdom, and we can tell that good news of healing and restoration to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you, man, just for your kingdom, just for being good. Um, good to us, Jesus. Um, we love you. God, and I pray just for my friends here that we can just start to grasp why we are here. Um, and we can just understand our purpose in you as king. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.